When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga from Cleveland.com, and I'm joined by Paul Hoynes, the Cleveland.com Indians beat writer. Paul, good to hear from you. Joe, how are you doing, man? Real good. Let's jump right in and talk about the uh, the Minnesota Twins. They just recently brought in Lance Lynn on a one-year contract, $12 million, and it's, uh, it's been a pretty pretty big offseason for them making moves and positioning themselves to to really sort of go after the Indians here in the the American League Central. They added Logan Morrison to the lineup after after a a 30-plus home run season, also on a one-year contract, and they they traded for Jake Odorizzi. Paul, what do you see these moves as doing for the Twins in positioning them to to make a run at Cleveland in the American League Central? Well, I think they put put themselves in a great position, Joe. I really do. you know, um, they, um, you know, this, they, they finished, they finished, they were 17 games behind the Indians last year. Um, they won the wild card, they, you know, they got into the wild card uh, competition in, in the postseason. They lose that the first game to the Yankees, but, uh, you know, this really keeps them in the playoff picture, either as a, you know, a division champion or, or a wild card contender. They also, you know, you've got to like the way, uh, Derek Falvey, uh, has has operated here since leaving the Indians and taking over the Twins. They also, you know, signed Michael Pineda, uh, you know, the the, uh, the former Yankee right-hander who's out with Tommy John, but should be back in 2019 and has a uh, you know a great uh, you know great he has great upside. So and he's a pitcher as well. So Falvey knows pitching, and so with these you know the, the acquisitions of Lynn and Notarizzi. Um, that really helps that rotation. And when they get uh, Urban Santana back, you know, who's supposed to open the year on the DL with a finger injury, that's going to be a solid rotation. It's not going to be as good as the Indians, but it's going to be a rotation that should keep them in the hunt. And adding Logan Morrison uh, really sort of beefs up an, an offense that was that really sort of found itself uh, there in the second half of last season. Uh Morrison gives a little protection to uh, guys like uh, Miguel Sano and, and, and gives a little uh, sort of depth in that uh, that starting lineup. Definitely. Uh, you know, especially, you know, with Sano, he's facing, you know, he's coming off surgery. He's got that sexual assault uh, thing he's got to deal with. So they really don't know, you know, what he, what he when and, and if he's going to, where he's going to be able to play and when he's going to be able to play. So, um, you know, that's, that's a key thing. And, uh, you know, Morrison is a guy, you know, that, that, that has, has always had the potential he showed, um, you know, last year, but he's had a hard time stay, staying healthy. And, uh, you know, I think that's the one drawback on, on, on that acquisition. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, you know, that, and that, that, that twins team hit anyway. So he's just going to, he'll fit in great there as long as he can stay on the field. And you know they started this whole thing, uh, this whole off season with uh, 
the move of, of trading trading away Corey Dickerson and and bringing back Jake Odorizzi uh, it, to sort of beef up that that pitching rotation. Like uh, like you said, Valdi knows pitching, and he must have seen something in Odorizzi that uh, you know interested him. Yeah, he's a, you know he's a solid guy. He pitched with Tampa Bay last year, you know, with and I think he got traded. I think he was originally with Milwaukee. Got traded from Milwaukee to Tampa Bay, so he's been around. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good you know middle of the middle of the rotation starter, uh, and he's he'll he, you know and the Twins. You know, the one thing that really kind of held them back last year over the last couple of years has been pitching, and especially starting pitching. And uh, you know, this is. You know, so that you get an experienced uh, guy that's that's been in the big leagues that's going to help them. So, you know, and and to go along with with their defense and their offense, you know, with uh, Byron Buxton in center field, you know, that's that guy. You know, he's probably he he might be the best. He probably is the best center fielder in the game right now. And uh, you know, and they're they're solid up the middle with Dozer uh, at second base, and they've got a bunch of shortstops. So uh, you know they're gonna, that's a good team. They're going to be uh, they're going to be a challenge for the Indians for sure. Yeah, Buxton's worth at least three or four defensive run saves uh, just to, just against the Indians alone every year. Uh, the way he was robbing uh, hits and, and home runs from uh, from Cleveland last season. Yeah, and you know, and, and Morrison, I guess there's some question if if of uh, 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 Joe Mauer, I guess. You know how are they going to use Mauer? How long? How much longer is he going to play? So you know he fits in well there. That brings us to a uh, conversation that I had earlier this week with our friend uh, Lavelle Neal from the Minnesota Star Tribune. We'll let you guys hear what Lavelle had to say about the Twins and the uh, the AL Central race uh, against the Cleveland Indians this year. All right, I'm joined by Lavelle Neal, the Twins beat writer for the uh, Star Tribune in Minneapolis. Uh, Lavelle, good to hear from you again. Uh, last time we talked, I think was was back in Cleveland, the end of the season in uh, in September. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> so you guys down in Florida, spring training today. The uh, the Twins took on Baltimore, but you got to uh, sort of test drive the newest addition to the the Twins roster, and that was Lance Lynn. Uh, how did how did Lynn's first outing go? Yeah, it was pretty solid. He went three innings and uh, struck off five, gave up one hit. Three shutout innings, and um, it was pretty impressive. I think he threw just 41 or 42 pitches during that time. He had an eight-pitch second inning. Was really efficient, attacked the bottom of the strike zone. Uh, the one thing that impressed uh, manager Paul Molitor was that Lynn was able to throw, you know, top out at 94, but then he would throw uh, something with a little more movement at 88 to 90. So he knows how to get a little movement uh, that could help him finish off hitters. So the Twins are very pleased with this guy. And he could be a very solid addition to the rotation uh, just because he brings some experience. He's about 30 years old, and he's won 18 games before. He's won 15 games twice in this season. So that moxie can help a pitcher staff that's looking to uh, take things to the next level. And and, and Lynn is the sort of the latest and, and maybe the last, but who knows, uh, addition to the roster here. Uh, the, the Twins added Logan Morrison as a, a guy who hit 30-some home runs last year. And uh, before that, they made a trade for Jake Odorosi. Uh is, is this a statement by uh, the folks in the front office there in, in, in Minnesota to say, "Hey, uh, you know, the, the the window is now. We're going for it. We're gonna we're gonna take our shot at the division here." Yeah, I think the Twins uh, thought it was gonna be a longer rebuilding process than they than they anticipated. But what happened 
was that during the second half of last year, the daily lineup really uh, stepped up. Jorge Polanco, um, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, those guys all surged during the second half of the season, and they made the postseason. So now the Twins are encouraged to look for ways to um, improve the, the starting rotation and just add some uh, some the team. They did a good, they did a good job of adding Addison Reed, Zach Duke, and Fernando Rodney for the bullpen, but the the starting rotation was hard to address because you really want to bring in an elite starter. I mean, the best way to build depth is to bring in someone really good, someone really good, and push everybody down the spot. So they had a long um, flirtation with Hugh Darvish during the offseason, and it ended up being fruitless when he signed with the Cubs for six years and $126 million. But the Twins attacked the other end of the bull- of the rotation. They traded for Jake or- Odorizzi. And all of a sudden, some of these players who have been on the free agent market, and, you know, as camp started, you know, began to drop their demands. Logan Morrison, available for $6.5 million. You look at uh, someone like Carlos Santana, who's getting $20 million a year uh, for uh, playing with Philadelphia and seeing what, what type of bargain Morrison is. Mm-hmm. And then um, Lance Lynn, who was probably looking for three or four years, between 15 and $20 million a year, decides to sign for one year and $12 million and goes back and then go back into the uh, free agent pond next off season. So the Twins were able to get him to, for the back in their rotation. So it really worked out this year where prices came down to something that was manageable, manageable, workable for the Twins. And now they have a pretty deep rotation and a pretty solid bullpen, and they look like a team that could close the gap with the Indians. And, and Twins' ownership was, was on board with giving these one-year deals and – and, and sort of bringing in the, the later market kind of guys. Uh, yeah, Joe, go ahead. So, yeah, just you speak about the, the Twins' ownership and their, their willingness to, to go for it. Yeah, Joe, someone, a wise baseball man told me a long time ago that there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. So they got Logan Morrison <laughs> for a year, and he, there's a vesting option, and, um, and uh, Lance Lynn is signed for a one-year deal. So, that's not really killing the Twins. They were willing to they were willing to offer Hugh you know, Darvish at least twenty million a year for five years, and they ended up signing uh, Morrison and Lynn and uh, trading for Odorizzi in a six point three million dollar contract. I think that ends up being uh, I think that ends up uh, being twelve plus six. It ends up being about twenty four point eight million dollars. So it's about the same amount of money they were going to give. Darvish had used to sign three people who can help them out. And, uh, you know, the Twins owner, Jim Paulette, was on board with this. He's He's been spending some money in the last couple of years. Ever since Derek Salvi was hired as the, the chief baseball operate, uh, officer, they've been really building out their uh, baseball operations department, hiring more people, more voices involved in, in uh, personnel decisions. The research and develop, development department has probably grown by 400%. They've invested millions, millions of dollars in baseball operations, and now they're investing millions of dollars uh, into the roster. And, uh, you, you know, Indians fans who pay attention, uh, they notice that it's former Indians, uh, you know, front office guy, Derek Calvi, uh, is, is the one over there. Uh, right, and now, he's been given, and, now, and now he has a payroll next year of a club record of $130 million. You know, for Indians fans sort of looking over their shoulder, two division championships the last last two years, and, and really Minnesota now is in a position, like you said, to, to sort of push them this season. Who Who's going to make that difference for Minnesota? Who's the, the one or two players, the key players from last year's team or, or coming back? 
who are going to sort of be the deciding factors for Minnesota, whether or not they, you know, push the Indians this year for the Central Crown? Well, you know, Joe Mara batted 305 last year with like a 380 on base percentage. Ada Rosario hit 27 homers. Uh, Byron Buxton hit 308, I think, during the second half of the season. And as uh, Terry Francona complained, uh, Buxton stole about four or five hits uh, from Cleveland hitters in the outfield at the uh, progressive field during the season. Um, the Twins ended up with 815 runs scored last year, which was fourth highest in the American League. The amazing thing is is that their designated hitters had an OPS of 711, which was the second worst of any position on the field, second to uh, catching. The Twins signing of Logan Morrison, who will probably be the DH, Morrison had an eight a point eight sixty eight on base plus slugging percentage last season, which would have been the best at any position. So they uh, made a serious move to boost their offense even more. And if you remember, the Twins got really hot during the second half of the year with Miguel Sano out for the last six weeks because of a stress reaction in his shin. And Eduardo Escobar took over uh, at third base and actually provided a little pop at the plate. Sano was back this year, and he's going to have to service. He's expected to serve a suspension for an alleged assault. Um, uh, but the league has not ruled on that yet. I guess there's a small chance that he will get off with, uh, while being suspended. But uh, I think the Twins are bracing for the worst, expecting Sano to get some sort of punishment uh, for his actions against a former uh, uh, tw- uh, photographer at a, uh, during like a, a public appearance a couple of years ago. But we'll mm-hmm. see how that turns out. It's in the off- hands of the league office. But the Twins' offense looks like it's going to be uh, functional. Uh, you got a lot of guys, 23, 24, 25, still maturing as hitters, and the rotation is deep. I do not think that the Twins are ready to win a division. I still think Cleveland is the best team in the Central. What's not to love about Francisco Lindor and what's not to like about uh, Ramirez at third and Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco and the healthy Salazar are still better probably than most of most of the Twins starters. So I think Cleveland's still a better team, but I think the Twins can make it interesting in the, in the Central and make uh, the gap a little bit shorter this year. Uh, are are there any uh, rookies or you know under the radar young guys that are, are performing well in, in in spring training camp right now who might uh, have an impact or an influence on that uh, division chase later on now, the road? It, it, it's the way the the way the rotation shakes out right now, you got three young starters who could help out if there's an injury or someone really struggles, and that's lefties. Alberto Mejia, who got some starts last year. Right, we and, saw him last year a couple of times. Right, and uh, Steven Gonzalez, another lefty who has not uh, pitched the inning yet in the majors. Another kid who had a great spring, he just got sent down um, Tuesday, uh, today, is Fernando Romero, a right-hander who threw eight hitless innings in camp this year, with striking out 10, and just showing a 94-95 on our fastball with a nasty slider. And he's got a curveball and change as well. Um, he's going to start the season, season in the minors, but I think the Twins will probably call him up during the season as well if they need some help. So the young guys, those are the young guys who I think who can uh, contribute to uh, during the season because it's inevitable that players are going to get hurt or players are going to get, get, um, have to uh, have down years and may need to uh, be removed from the rotation because of performance. And I think the Twins have a, a handful of kids they can look to to help fill in the gaps. 
Does uh, does Phil Hughes make the roster uh, come out of spring training? It's going to be tough for Phil, uh, the way it checks out now. Well, Irvin Santana's going to miss the first month of the season. He's coming back from uh, surgery to remove a calcium deposit from his middle finger, and he should be ready by the end of April. The Twins are looking at starting the season with a four-man rotation. Without Irvin Santana, you're looking at Jake Odorizzi, uh, Kyle Gibson, uh, uh, Lance Lynn, and um, who am I missing here? And, and oh. I think Phil, Hugh, Phil Hughes can make – oh, Jose Barrio, a young right-hander gonna, who's got a lot of talent. Yeah, I, I was going to so, say, you don't, you don't skip over Jose Barrio. Uh, I, I, I always try to try to remember the hard ones first and come back to the easy ones, but I kind of went backwards this time. It's weird. But uh, those guys should make up the rotation, which means Phil Hughes would be the odd man out. The Twins are going to have, unless something else comes up, the Twins are going to have a Phil Hughes decision to make here at the end of camp. Um, can they put him in the bullpen? But the bullpen looks pretty full. Will he accept the bullpen role? Yeah, I believe that he still has an option left. Will he accept the... Uh, an option to the minors. I this could be very interesting with the veteran Hughes is making fourteen million dollars this year. Um but um he he was okay against the Yankees. He's not the guy he used to be when he could reach back and throw ninety four, ninety five. He's throwing eighty eight to ninety one and he's got to throw all his pitches and be a finesse right hander. And that's a tough adjustment for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. All right, last question before I let you get get out of here. It seems like just from watching, you know, the way that this this off season has unfolded that Minnesota has become this sort of destination spot for, for free agents now. And, you know, how much of a, a, a factor is Paul Molitor in that? And, and how much of a factor is it just, uh, you know, the circumstances of this weird free agent off season, but uh, d- does, does Paul Molitor's presence sort of attract these guys to, to want to come and, and, and play in Minnesota? Well, he's he was the manager of the year last year, so that's going to raise eyebrows. The Twins did were a wild card team last year. That's going to get people's attention. But I think it's been rather rather fascinating to watch how this offseason has played out for them because I think I think the dots just connected and momentum was built by each move. You trade for Odorizzi uh, when you didn't give up a top prospect. Well, Odorizzi's a former teammate with with uh, Logan Morrison. Logan sees Odorizzi there. Odorizzi sees Logan says, "Hey." You know, the Twins are looking for a, a hitter, man. Why don't you come and join us? He talks Morrison into taking a hard look at the Twins. He signs on. So it just so happens that Morrison's working out in Jupiter, Florida with Lance Lynn. You know, Lance Lynn's already seen what the Twins have done this year. Morrison's burning up Lynn's phone line about, come on, bro, let's let's uh, tear it up with the Twins. And next thing you know, Lance Lynn signed. So I just – it was weird how – I think they gained momentum. Once they did the older easy move – then it went into Morris, and then it went into Lynn. Now I don't know how often that happens for a major league team, but sometimes you can't get the you can't get to point B until you get to point A. I look at Houston as an example. Houston has a, had a great first half of the season. It looks like a team that can do some damage. Then they make the move for for Justin Verlander, and you can't get to a Verlander move until you get to a couple levels before that. Now they want the world. They won the World Series. They're not satisfied. Then they add on adding Garrett Cole. And you, you can't get to that point unless you get to a couple other levels. And, on a, uh, and you know, that's probably the extreme example there. But for the mm-hmm. Twins, on the Twins level, you know, once they started making one move, it made uh, another move possible. Well, it's a, it's a snowball. Like, uh, like they probably still have up there in Minnesota right now. So we're, uh, mm-hmm. we're a few weeks away from, uh, from clearing up. But when, uh, when camps do break up and, and ball actually starts getting played back home, we'll, uh, 
we'll look forward to welcoming you here to Cleveland and uh, and seeing you when you get to Progressive Field. Oh, sounds like a plan, Joe. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, that was Lavelle Neal from the Minnesota Star Tribune talking about the Indians and the Twins and the uh, the arms race that is developing here with Minnesota. They they sort of have that momentum now coming off this, this sort of free agent period, the secondary free agent period, I guess. Paul, what that says for the, the Indians and the Twins, they meet 19 times this year, remains to be seen, but should be a fun summer uh, watching the two of them go at it in the, in the Central. Yeah, definitely, and you got to give the Twins credit. They took advantage of kind of the frozen market, you know, with, uh, with Lynn and Morrison. They got those guys on one-year deals, and like GM say, there's, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, and, uh, you know, so they really improved their club, and uh, they were able to take advantage of the, the situation. So, you know, that's what teams like the Indians and the Twins, the teams in, you know, in, in, in that situation, that, they, that that's what they have to do. And, you know, the Twins are going to have a big, big payroll. They're, they're I think, maybe a, a record payroll, I think, but, you know, they I, they're, they're a team on the upswing. All right, let's uh, take a look at the latest Indians news from uh, from camp out there in Goodyear. The, sort of the, the the marquee, the the headline grabber, I guess, for for the Indians this week is Francisco Mejia uh, going down to minor league camp and uh, basically being told, "Hey, get your work in in the outfield because if the Indians need him up here, it it could be at a in an outfield position." Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, they they'd kind of been hinting at that. Uh, you know, all spring that you know. That you know, because he's blocked by uh, Perez and, and Gomes at catcher, uh, and if there a need arose for an off, you know, to, that the team needed an offensive jolt, that um, you know that they look at Mejia maybe at third base, maybe in the outfield. And uh, earlier this week, when you know they made they sent nine guys down, including Mejia, uh, they kind of scratched third base from his resume. And and Terry Francona said. He'd get some work in the outfield, so uh, you know that, that's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, you know, obviously, they, this kid is uh, is in the fast lane uh, with a bullet, I guess. So he's, he's on the rise. So I would think if if something happens, uh, and 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 he has shown, you know, if he's gotten enough time in in the outfield, and and there's an injury in the outfield, uh, you know, in maybe in May or June, I would imagine he'd be up here. And and sort of that's that's what they, you really can't keep Mejia's bat out of this lineup uh, much longer, can you? I, I, I think uh, after May that he's got to be up here at some point, just uh, even if that means holding him down there to, to to keep from starting the clock on his major league time, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it, you always fight that battle. Uh, if he comes up, you have to have a, a position for him, and you've got, and he's got to get playing time. You know, so the, you, you don't want him to come up and sit in the bench. He's 22 years old, and, you know, he, that's not doing anybody any good. They found that out in September last year when he came up, you know, as a call-up, and, what, he got about 11, 12 at-bats. I don't think that helped him much. I mean, obviously the experience of being in the big leagues helped him, getting his first big league hit and the RBI, getting all that out of the way, but, you know, did that really help him? I I, I don't know. I mean, so – I think, you know, you really have to, the fit has to be right, you know, and if, if and if the fit arrives, if, if it presents itself, I think he'll be up here. But as a, as opposed to him, he's never played double A, I mean triple A, Joe. So I think, you know, he's not going to hurt himself 
playing every day at Triple at, at A, no matter if he's catching or playing the outfield. Uh, let's talk about pitching. Let's talk about the uh, the Indian starters. Uh, Corey Kluber, uh, you know, one hit outing in, in five innings uh, this week. Uh, Trevor Bauer had eight strikeouts in his last outing. Uh, Carlos Carrasco looked pretty dominant the last time he uh, he took the mound. Uh, the the front end of this Indies rotation has just sort of looked like it's carrying that momentum and that uh, that uh, sort of dominant streak that it had towards the end of last season, and it's, things are carrying over right now into into spring training. Yeah, I mean they've really, especially Kluber and Bauer, really look good. You know, Kluber's thrown thirteen and two third innings, nineteen strikeouts. Bauer thirteen and a third innings, eighteen strikeouts. Uh, Kluber, you know, five scoreless innings, like you were saying, against the Angels on uh, Wednesday, and that was the Angels' uh, A lineup. And uh, you know, the the day before, uh, uh, Bauer threw a five innings, struck out eight, and allowed one run against Texas, and which against you know, not not their A lineup, but pretty close to it. So you know, th- th- they're kind of getting s- settled in, and I, you know, this is you know, this is time of spring. They might have. You know what? Two, three, four, maybe three or four more starts left. Uh, get up to 25, 30 innings. Be able to throw 90 to 100 pitches. You know when opening day rolls around, and they're right on course. Uh, you know, Clevenger goes today against the Reds. Um, you know, Tomlin threw a minor league game yesterday. So uh, I think you know, health-wise and uh, performance-wise, they, they've all looked very good. All the, you know, all five of those starters really. Two things I want to touch on uh, really quickly. Um, uh, Shohei Otani made his, uh, you know, uh, or came up against the Indians. Uh, granted, it was against Corey Kluber, but he looked pretty lost uh, out there against uh, uh, Kluber and, and, and didn't really, uh, you know, w- w- what's the expectation there? Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with him, Joe, because I agree with you. He looked lost. There's no way this guy looks like he should be, you know, batting, I mean, playing every day or Two or three times a week at DH in the big leagues, he looked he looked completely lost. And I, like you said, he's facing the Cy Young winner, but he he was one for eleven coming into Wednesday's game. He and uh, he just you know uh, from you know reading stuff uh, you know that's been written about him. You know, scouts are saying he, he can't handle the curveball. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be in the big leagues right now. He needs to go down and. and uh, Go to the minors and, and just get some seasoning. He just hasn't seen enough, you know, quality of breaking pitches, and that's a surprise to me because you know he's coming from Japan and you know um, the Japanese pitchers throw a lot of you know very uh, you know a lot of different pitches, breaking pitches, off speed pitches, but uh, he just looks like he's you know he's like yesterday he Wednesday he just got eaten up inside. I mean, Kluber was throwing that breaking ball inside. Carlos Torres struck him out with with the same kind of pitch inside. I mean, he, it looks like he's got no clue how to handle the inside pitch, the breaking ball. And uh, um, he's, I guess he's he's on the mound Friday. He's supposed to pitch Friday, um, and you know he's only made one Cactus League start. Now he did make a big a big game start against Milwaukee. He struck out like eight of the twelve guys he faced. So maybe you know his 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 future is as is as a pitcher instead of a hitter. Maybe uh, Japan, uh, Japan's version of uh, Babe Ruth is, is not going to go over so well in the big leagues. But, uh, you know, we got to give him a chance. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, the Angels, however, 
you know, from what I've read, have set up their rotation, a six-man rotation, you know, based on him, you know, pitching once a week. So, you know, do they change that? Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're a pretty good club. They made a lot of moves this winter. Uh, are they a contender? Do they consider themselves a contender? And if so, can they afford to go with a six-man rotation? That's going to be an interesting thing, uh, interesting to see how they break camp. Oh, so it's a nice fallback to have. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not hitting right now, so I'll just focus on my pitching. So, right, yeah. And, you know, and then there's no, I don't think there's any shame in that if, if that's what, if that's what happens to this guy. Because, you know, the Indians, every team I've talked to that, that's taught, that scouted this guy, they believe he could do both, you know? I mean, the Indians were firm believers that he could hit and pitch in the big leagues. But they always, I think they always thought that his pitching was, was his better, you know, that's what he did best. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah, I just keep thinking every time he runs out there to pitch that you know at any moment his his elbow could blow up and you know after after they had reports that he was getting injections about his uh for you know uh, ligaments in his elbow I I'm just waiting for the report that he he's got to go and have the Tommy John surgery because that that's the next big news. I'm, I'm right. Sure. Yeah, because he came over with with some elbow problems. So. Right. Uh, you know, when he came over from when he signed, they they said he had elbow problems. So, you know, that's always you know he's about twenty two, twenty three. So, you know, it, it it didn't cost him a lot of money, and that was the big thing. He came over as a you know free agent minor leaguer, and uh, you know, so it's a gamble. I think you you're willing to take, especially with a talent like that. All right. The other uh, the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly was uh, the Indians turned a five five four triple play. Against the Brewers. Now it's spring training. I know it means absolutely nothing, but uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, anywhere you put him in the field, seems to be one of those sort of heady ball players who who knows exactly what to do when the play happens. Uh, he he short hop. He sort of drops a, a line, a, a soft liner at third, uh, tags the runner going back to the bag at, at third, steps on third, throws the second. This is a rare play. There, there've only been, uh, according to Elias, there've only been what, you know, three or four of those turned in the in the regular season in that sort of fashion. Uh, you know, in in baseball, it's pretty pretty impressive play for for uh, Jose, uh, considering he's he's bouncing around between positions and now is is sort of back at third for the second time in in three years. Yeah, no, that was that was really, uh, you know, I, I loved reading about it. I, unfortunately, I couldn't see it. I, no, we didn't see it, but I would have loved to see that game, just see it to unfold because uh, that's a great triple play, you know. And, and when they happen, they happen so fast, you know, because of mm-hmm. the bases loaded, and you really have to be into the game as an infielder. I remember when uh, Azdrubal Cabrera turned one at shortstop for the Indians. He turns one, and it was like over in two seconds, and and he's running to the Indians' dugout and flips the ball in his stands. He doesn't even he doesn't even keep the ball. He, so some some guy out there still has the uh, as Drubal's uh, triple play ball. Uh, that was, a, but his was an unassisted triple play. That, yeah, that's even right, more right, rare. That's, that's right. We we talk about the unassisted triple play being the most rare feat in in all of baseball. That's uh, you know something that like you like you said, Cabrera did it and. Uh, I, I was listening to the broadcast on uh, MLB.com of of the Brewers Indian split squad game, and you know I, nobody knew what happened. I, they didn't realize that uh, the the force at second was a ground ball force at second base. So 
so it took a minute for even the umpires on the field to realize what was going on. And it just it just proved to me that that you know like Jose Ramirez, you don't really you get this sort of uh, this you know weird vibe from, but he he's so much ahead of everybody in the game, you know where they need to be mentally on the field. He's he's making plays before they happen. Yeah, and that's what you have to do, you know. Bases loaded situation, you've got to anticipate that the ball's going to be hit to you. What are you going to do if it's hit to you? What kind of what kind of ball is hit at you? Line drive or you know like a, a bloop like like that was to him. I mean, every every infielder has to be going to you know has to process that you know is before the pitch and you know some guys do it and some guys don't. All right, let's uh, you know talk for a minute about um, a, a safe a safe bet in every podcast we do is uh, talking about Michael Brantley and his uh, progression on uh, on his injury. Uh, what's the latest on Brantley? He's uh, he's going full go now. Is is that the? Well, I think he's getting really close, Joe. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he opens the season on time or is maybe you know, four or five, maybe three or four or five a week late. But I think he's he's making progress. He's he's get, I think uh, they think he's going to play in a minor league game pretty soon. He's he's run the bases. Now, now I think he's run you – know, they said he's run the bases in segments. So I don't know if that's – you know, usually when you run the bases, you go, you know, home to home to first, first to second. You know, you, you run the whole thing, you know. And, but so I don't know if he's just going home to first – first to second, or if he's just kind of done the whole circuit yet. But, you know, that's usually, when you run the bases, that's usually the, the last hurdle before you, you go into games. And he's getting, you know, he's, he's cutting in the outfield, taking fly balls and ground balls in the outfield. So, and he's been able to hit and, and throw all spring. So I think he's getting close unless, you know, knock on wood, he has some kind of setback. But, you know, I think he's, I think he's getting very, very close. All right. Uh, what's coming up this week for the Indians? Uh, the end of this week, we've got uh, a trip to Las Vegas to take on the uh, Chicago Cubs um, in sort of that Major League Baseball showcase weekend there at, in, in Vegas. Uh, and then, you know, as, as things progress in in spring training, we're uh, about a what a you know almost yeah. two weeks from from getting things going. Yeah, it's, there's two split squad games. Uh, you know, I think uh, set, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, in, in, they're in, in Vegas, and they're, they're also playing games in Arizona. So there's two split squad games. They come back. They play the Giants on Monday. Uh, Tuesday's an off day, and then they're back at it for the last, you know, the, the, the final stretch before uh, opening the season on March 29th. And uh, you know, during you know they'll they'll be they're still like. I guess 50 players in camp, counting the injured guys. And uh, after the after these uh, split squad games, I'm sure there's going to be another big cut, and then we'll get a better idea of what that 25 man roster is going to look like. Uh, just really quickly, want to briefly touch on the the chase for that uh, the, the bullpen positions. Uh, Matt Belisle, uh, Carlos Torres, Alexio Gondo look to be the guys who who are getting the most. And best looks at those spots. What uh, what have you seen in terms of the way that these guys are being used in spring training games to as as it reflects on what you know Tito might think of of where they are position wise. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, uh, Joe. I mean, uh, you know, Belisle and Torres both signed late in camp, well, early in camp. You know, camp had already started on minor league deals. Um, the, uh, you know, uh, Ogando has been here, you know, was signed in December on, a, on another minor league deal. But Ogando has really pitched well. He's got 11 strikeouts in six innings, 1.50 ERA. And uh, I think if they if he doesn't make the club uh, as a reliever, they could talk to him about maybe going down to uh, Columbus and, and being a starter because he was starting in Korea last year, and I think that's that's where he'd like to start, and that would give him some depth, especially if they lost merit on waivers. Uh, you know, so you know, I but Belisle and Torres have, have, have pitched okay. They're both you know kind of neck and neck. They both had six appearances each. They both have a 2.57 ERA. They both uh, thrown seven innings, so you know they're giving them a, a, a you know a, a decent look. Evan Marshall is another guy kind of lurking around there that um, that that could be a possibility. And I think there's all we also you know have to consider them uh, you know using Merritt as a seventh guy if they don't want to lose him. Merritt's in a in a really good position in terms of he's going to know when when the final cuts come along he's he's going to have a team that wants him. It's either going to be the Indians or it's going to be some other team that's going to claim him because he's going to be wanted somewhere. Uh, he's, he's in a really good spot. Yeah, I think so. All those guys, you know, uh, you know, now Urshela and, and Gonzalez are in the same kind of, you know, they're out of options. Uh, but I think Merritt probably has, has the most uh, cachet, you know, uh, that he would, he would be the most sought after because left-hander, he's got, he's, he's shown he can win in the big leagues. Not, not a lot of, not a, a big, big league uh, resume but he's shown he can be effective we still you know the jury is still kind of out on on gonzalez and urshela especially from an offensive standpoint but uh, i think there's those three guys it's going to be you know there's going to be some uh i don't think they'll go on claims on, on waivers if, if that's what it comes to with the indians yeah if, if i'm Merritt, my uh my resume has one line on it it says game five alcs 2016 <laughs> That's it. That's uh, that. That would that would do it. Yeah, that will that will take you that will take you down the road a little bit. And and you know, Urshel has done nothing but hit the ball um, throughout this uh, this you know spring season. I, I think he's one of the team leaders in in batting average. Not that spring batting average means anything, but you know he's he's come out there and he's he's hit the ball. You're looking for for more offense from Giovanni Urshela, and he's he's trying to give it to you. Yeah, I mean, he's had a great spring offensively. He's hitting 519, you know, two home runs, five RBIs. The only question to me is, you know, I know he's a great defender at third base, but how good is he going to be moving around the infield? And we've seen it. We saw it last year. He, you know, he, he's very, you know, he, he's adapt defensively. Uh, you know, Gonzalez has more experience doing this, so that's going to be a tough call. I, you know, Gonzalez is hitting 273. You know, hasn't played as many games as Urshela, so you know that usually means that Urshela's getting. You know, you he's they're looking at him a, a little more than maybe Gonzalez. He might have a a slight lead in this competition right now. Right, Urshela is responsible for two of the the best defensive plays of the season last year for the Indians. The the uh, the double play that he started in Oakland was from third base was amazing. And uh, cutting down the the Yankees runner, I think it was. Oh my gosh! At at home on that throw that basically took him into the Indians dugout was, uh, I 
two two of those you watch those and there are no words to describe how good those plays were defensively. Those those are great plays. And then, unfortunately for me, Joe, the and, thing that's burned in my memory are those two errors in, in the ALDS against against the Yankees. I can't shake that, so that that's still bothering me. But but you know, over the course of a long season, uh, this guy's like Brooks Robinson, really at third base. That's that's his home right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's called irony, Paul. That's when when he turns around and makes those those errors in the uh, in the in the playoffs. That that's irony. That's that's uh, that's what that is. All right, we're getting ready to send you off back out to Arizona again at the end of next week. Happy St. Patrick's Day as it's uh, coming up here on on Saturday, and and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next time we talk to you. We'll be from Goodyear. Yeah, I'm going to be home for St. Patrick's Day. I'm excited about that. I might even go to the parade. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 